Thanks, Holden. Well, good morning, everybody. Everybody is uh, definitely mentioning the beautiful weather. Oh, man, it feels so good. It's amazing. Uh, just a little note on Mother's Day. Uh, I, uh, when I was young, I thought Mother's Day. You know, as a little kid, you know, everything's great on Mother's Day. And now... I look at Mother's Day and I think, man, there is so much loaded into Mother's Day. I had no idea. I wish I could go back and apologize for things I've said you know, around Mother's Day time because there's great joy, uh, there's pain, incredible pain, there's hope, fears, loss. I mean, it's... Anyway, I didn't understand it for a long time, and I know I still don't. <laughs> um, but, uh, wow, thank you to your mothers, and I, I commiserate as much as I can with those of you who suffered through Mother's Day, too. We're, we're wrestling with that. You know, Claire's with our kids being all gone, and all she has to take care of is me and the dog. Uh, and sometimes I think we get interchanged, but um, we're, uh, we're wrestling through it, and she's trying to figure out how to, how to make it work. Um, all right, well, we're in this... Uh, Series that we're calling The Only One. And we're looking at the characteristics of God and trying to understand who He is. And I actually found something really helpful on Facebook this week. Uh, who knew it could happen? Um, I, I came across this uh, quote a friend had posted in it. It essentially said that our issues, our, our, um, the major issues we wrestle with in life are related very closely to what we understand about who God is. And so when we understand his sovereignty, then we can allow control to go because he's in charge, right? And when we understand that he is eternal, we know that we don't have to have all of the answers. We know that he's all wise. We can trust him. There are so many aspects of how we understand who he is that play into that um, working itself out in our lives. And so it's so important for us to know about the God of the universe. And so for a few weeks, we're just going through and we're just, I mean, we're just scratching the surface for just a few minutes each week to try to understand a little bit more about who he is. We talked about something that Lisa mentioned a couple times when she prayed. She said, she spoke to Yahweh, the I am, the great I am. That's what he calls himself, the one true God, Yahweh. And we talked about his eternality, his uncreated nature, his permanence and what that means to us. Last week, this week, we're turning the corner, and we're going to talk about uh, one of the things I think uh, is a little harder for us to grasp because of the influence it has on us. So before I tell you what it is, let me say, we, when we talk about him uh, being eternal or, or wonderful in that sense, we, we're like, okay, you know, I can't really totally understand that, but it, I, that's what it is, um, or creator, that kind of thing. We, we can picture it, but but how it influences us is a little more difficult. Today, we're going to talk about the fact that he's all-knowing and all-wise. When we talk about that, uh, it starts to make us ask questions. Like, well, if he's all-knowing and all-wise, then why did this happen? Right? All these things we're praying for this morning, the things that are on our hearts, why is this happening if he's all-knowing and all-wise? That's the question we have to ask ourselves today and wrestle through this. Not just, uh, I'm going to share some thoughts with you, but I hope that you'll take them home and, and wrestle with them and 
try to apply them to how you're answering those hard questions of life that, we, that you're going through. I heard a, a story a friend of mine shared in a message uh, a few years ago, and it, it goes like this. He said there's a, a train, I, I don't know if this is an engineer person, but he's the guy who works the tracks in, uh, years ago. He'd be up uh, before, uh, what's it called? Yeah, a switch guy. The switch is, yeah, switch track. The technical term for this guy is the job of the switch guy. And uh, he's in a tower, and he's looking down on this set of tracks, and he can see when the trains are coming. He's making these things happen. He's a schedule and all that. And uh, he's a father, and he sees this boy running across some of the tracks, and he's like, oh, there's my son. He's a little boy turning across, and he waves at the sun. The sun waves back at him and gets caught in the track. And here comes this train at a speed that is too late to do anything about it except switch it in such a way that would cause an accident just a few hundred yards down that it wouldn't be able to stop. And so all 150 people on this train could, could die because of this or, uh, or the sun. And so he has seconds to make this decision. I mean, what a terrible, terrible place to be as a parent. You know, we can't imagine the suffering uh, of that moment. I mean, what if the cure for cancer is the scientists that would cure cancer is on the train? Is that one life worth 150 lives? Those decisions had to be made in a second. Well, in a similar way, we have to understand that God, looking down on situations, understands all of the permutations, all of what is going on. He knows the wise decision to make. In the most terrible things, the most difficult situations we can imagine our lives being in, and some of us may be in those places today, God knows the wise way for them. He is the only one, the only one with the ability to make a wise decision in the hardest places. So our main point comes in three parts, and that'll form our three points today. Somehow, our God is all-knowing, He is perfectly wise, and He is graciously personal. He's all-knowing, perfectly wise, and graciously personal. Okay, so let's talk about this idea of, uh, uh, oh, I almost missed a part I wanted to say, something about Something about knowing who God is frees us up to walk with Him more fully. So when we understand that He is all-knowing and all-wise and personal, it allows us to walk closely with Him and trust Him. And that's a lot of where we're going with this message today. Uh, what this made me think of was that movie, The Sandlot. Some of you may remember that. It's kind of old now. But one of the parts of the plot is that there's this scary, scary, scary person who lives in a house behind the baseball diamond where the boys play baseball, right? And the ball goes in his backyard, and they've got to get the ball. And they're terrified of this person, but all they, they don't never really seen him, they don't know anything about him. They're, they just know that they're afraid of him. And one of the guys finally gets up the courage, and he meets the guy, he comes inside, and he's terrified, and he gets to know him and, and just loves him. 
But before he got to know him, he was terrified. He didn't have enough information to understand who that was, just because he'd never gotten to know the person inside the house. And so we need to know about our God so that when we understand him, we can walk with him more fully, more completely in understanding, in love, in relationship. Because in his all-knowing, all-wise nature, he is graciously personal, which is just unbelievable to think about. So let's talk about this all-knowing idea. He's omniscient. That's another word you might have heard used to describe this characteristic of him. Let me read to you from Isaiah 40. This is what Holden read, but I just want to repeat it. Think about this. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows God counsel? Whom did he consult? Who did God consult? And who made God understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught God knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? We gather what we know, we collect it, but God does not gather any new information. He doesn't get it from some other place or learn how to learn. I wonder if any of you have a favorite teacher. In my life, how many have a favorite teacher? Hopefully that's everybody. At least in some one of those years. Um, some of you are raising your hand in your head. Um, that's okay. Uh, I remember my second grade teacher, Miss Bonner. I still remember her and, and just loved that. I mean, most of probably what she was dealing with was minor, minor issues and just learning our letters. But I love Mrs. Bonner and other teachers. I remember my one of my high school English teachers I loved, and she taught me. Uh, and then a philosophy professor I had in graduate school just, like, lit me up. I mean, it was awesome. I loved learning under those teachers who, who engaged with me and took me further and filled me in more so that I could grow. We learn God does not learn. His, his knowledge can't be enhanced. Let me say it this way. Um, we learn about what he has done. He owns the knowledge. He owns all the information. And we just tap into little bitty pieces of pieces. <laughs> um, I guess I'm hungry. But uh, we tap into little pieces of what he knows. Does that make sense? He knows all, beginning to end. And we just, even like we're talking about this, about his all-knowing and all-wise nature, all we can do is just barely touch the surface of that and get a feel for what that that is. We learn, in contrast, he does not learn. He cannot, his information pool and ability to make wise decisions cannot be added to. But then that brings up this question that if you're really thinking, or maybe you've thought about this a lot, is this, can we even comprehend God? Maybe some of you wrestle with that. Like, if we really get down to the nitty-gritty of trying to understand who God is, can we do that? Is there a way which the highest thinking of man, the smartest people, the most educated people, can truly apprehend something about God? Well, there are a lot of people who say no, and some of them call themselves Christians, some of them don't. I'm going to read you this quote from a guy that I read often. His name's Walter Elwell. He writes, he wrote this uh, thing called the Dictionary of Theology. And uh, uh, he, man, I'm, this is a smart dude. He said, some liberal Christian theologians and Eastern mystics deny any validity to conceptual thinking in reference to the eternal or to God. 
Relativists from many fields also deny that any human assertions, including the Bibles, are capable of expressing truth concerning God. That's one view that we cannot actually apprehend. That's sort of a strong presentation. There's just nothing we can apprehend about it. Another, further to the other side, would be like, we understand everything about it. We don't need any more information. What we need is what the Scripture shares with us. The Bible says we can understand, at least to some extent. I want to share with you two verses, and this runs throughout the Scripture. This one is 1 Corinthians 2, 16. Who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We can't instruct him, but because of Christ, because we know Jesus, we have the mind, the the basic understanding of who he is. We can apprehend. And then in Colossians 3.10, you Christians have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the Creator. See that? The Bible is claiming that we can understand who God is and what He is about. You have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the Creator. He created us in His image, and we can apprehend something about Him. And the Bible is the place that we get that information. In fact, there's two ways that information comes to us when we're talking about spiritual things, when we're talking about the God of the universe. One is something, they're they're technical words if you go to like seminary or something. One is called general revelation. General revelation is this, when you can look around the world and see beautiful things or interact with people and you talk and you you can see that there is something greater. There is some uh, something that happens in our minds as we are thinking, we go, wow, there's something more going on here. Whether it's complexity or just grandeur or whatever, however that works for you, we can sense the reality of a true God in what's happening around us. Just the things that we can see with our own eyes, hear with our ears, but with our own senses. But there's an... Well, let, me, let me share with you this thought. Um, did anybody ever see this movie? I, this is one of my teachers back in, uh, in high school showed me this, and this was my English teacher I told you that I really liked. Uh, It was a movie about the life of Helen Keller. So back in the 80s, when I saw it, it was probably made in the 50s or so, 70s, I don't know how old she was, but it seemed like it was old, like I think it was on one of those projectors, you know, even then. And uh, we watched that movie, and something that happened in that movie I have never forgotten, and maybe if you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. She uh, is being taught by her uh, her instructor, her tutor, and she's been really belligerent and difficult. And he is pumping water, and he's putting it in her hands and putting it in her face, and he's trying to get her to spell the word water on his hand. And so it's just this kind of a violent scene, as I recall. It just was rough, and she was resisting, and he's pushing the water on her, and, and, and then he's spelling out the word for water on her hand. And finally, she gets it she grabs his hand and she spells water and it's the first thing that she has apprehended and spelled out. And I mean, I mean, I remember our class, you know, of kids were like, oh, you know, just the feeling of, of seeing her suddenly as a young woman be transformed by re- recognizing and being able to spell out what she was actually experiencing. 
in a similar way, as limited as we are, we can understand something about God and call it something. We can understand Him by general revelation, what we see and feel and touch. But special revelation is how God has shown Himself to us through the Scripture. God's Word describes Him, says we can know Him, tells us about who He is in ways that we can understand it. Let me read to you from Jeremiah 9. This is a beautiful verse. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, God says. Hey, if something's going to be great in your life, let it be this, that you understand and know me. In other words, God says you can understand and know me. We get our truth from the scripture. I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, a characteristic, justice, and righteousness on the earth. That's a lot of information about the God of the universe right there. God is all-knowing, and somehow we can comprehend it. Now, he's all-knowing. He's also perfectly wise. Perfectly wise. Let me read you Paul's words in Romans where he describes the wisdom of God. This is 1627. To the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. To the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. God's wisdom and knowledge make him worthy of glory. His wisdom in any situation, in all situations, make him worthy of glory, our worship and our honor. Now, in contrast, if I had all the information, past, present, and future, and could do something about it, things would not be good. Um, my goal would be to accelerate my ends. I don't know about you, but if I could change things because I knew the past, present, and future, it wouldn't be good. I'd be much more like, uh, I'd, be, I'd be more of, of a Terminator than Marty McFly. For sure. Things would not be pretty if I was to be able to make things the way I wanted them to be. But, okay, stop here with me for a second. Uh, Here's the thing about God's wisdom. The goal of God's wisdom, the result of God's wisdom is always good. This is so important for us to understand. The end result of what God is doing is always good. In the end, and and just, you know, hold on with me for a second here. When we are in a place where we worship God, when we fully understand what that is, that is the best place we can possibly be. That is his end goal, and that is good. The best thing you've ever experienced, the best thing you hope to ever experience does not compare to being in the presence of God and understanding who He is. And when He brings us to that place, the beauty, the sublimity of that is going to be beyond anything we can imagine. And that is the best place we can be. And He is bringing us there through His wisdom. We can trust Him in that. Alright. Let me read to you from uh, Revelation 21. And He who is seated at the throne on the throne said, this is 
is towards the end, right? God is informing us about what he is doing at the end. I am making all things new. And he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. I am making all things new. I am healing all. I am making all things right. That would be a... We sang a lot of songs this morning about that. We just said it, said it in figurative language. I am making all things new. Write it down. For this is trustworthy and true. His wisdom in all things that happen always ends up good. Here's, here's the final point. He's all-knowing. He's perfectly wise. He's, per, he's graciously personal. Okay. If his perfect and good wisdom isn't enough, uh, okay, don't take this personally, anybody, uh, but if he knows everything about you, like we read from that passage. We're going to read it again from Psalm, that Psalm that, that David writes for us. If he knows everything about you, and he still chooses relationship with you at his own initiative and at his own cost, great cost, is that wise? I mean, is that really a good decision? I mean, no, not again, nothing personal. I'm in the same boat. If you guys knew everything in my heart, in my head, in my history, everything I did and will do, you probably wouldn't like me too much. You'd have to really overcome that. Even in a much more deep way, God understands my sin, my nature, who I am really deep inside and understands you. And still, His wisdom says it is good to restore relationship with you. So let me read from Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down. Okay, this gets very specific. You know when I sit down as you are sitting down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. All my thoughts. You search out my path, my lying, and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in before, in, behind and before, and you lay your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to Now, you know, I don't know how you take that. That might be either incredibly comfortable, com- comforting to you, or it might just freak you out. It could go either way. And probably, you know, we move back and forth between that. If he really knows all of those things, it's fairly intense. However, it's not scary if you know who he is. If you know what he is about. And you know that his wisdom is good. Without that, we are stuck wondering, what's he going to do? Is he going to act capriciously? What's the end result of this? We don't have to wonder. We may not know how things will go or what his path is to get there, but we always know that his wisdom is good. So, he's all-knowing, he's perfectly wise, and somehow, even despite that, 
He's graciously personal with us. So, let me let me try to close with a couple thoughts. One of them is this: that trusting Him is a privilege. Trusting Him in His wisdom is a privilege, and in His wisdom, He did the most unthinkable thing. God, like the track engineer, he had to make a terrible decision. There's something different about it. Significant things are different about it. One is that it wasn't just a few people on a train. Another is that we were some of those people. But probably most important is that the sun went to that place by his own volition, on purpose, in order to rescue, to restore relationship with people who have chosen any possible idol to distract us from the God of the universe. That's me. And so God, in incredible suffering, Jesus in suffering, chose to step into our place on purpose sacrifice himself. And God said, it's okay, do that. He did it. He knowingly and deliberately laid down his life for us. So I'm going to close. If you guys who are going to lead us will come up as I read this, just think about this with me. This is from Paul in Romans 8, so halfway through the book of Romans. And I'll close with just reading this to you. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, with him, graciously give us all?